Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to help you make a little money. My job not just to entertain, educate, teach. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. I, I get it. Today might feel a little underwhelming. But a second-day rally is pretty darn rare in this market. We had so many one-hit wonders that I figured we'd come in today and get whacked right upside the head. Because that's been the pattern, right? You go up, and then the next day you get crushed. Nope, not this time. For most of the day, we actually had a darn good advance. Sure, we gave it up in the last hour, with the Dow ultimately gaining just 27 points. S&P shed 0.07%, NASDAQ ugh, lost 0.58%. But overall, I've got to tell you, this was a victory for the bulls. Why? Okay, yesterday the market rallied because we got softer-than-expected consumer price index number with inflation flat month over month. That's important. This morning, we rallied again because the producer price index came in lower than expected, too. Two pieces of very good news on the inflation front should prevent the Fed from hitting us, say, with an emergency rate hike this month uh, before they even bother reconvene in September. And by the way, it lowers the odds for a 0.75% increase when they return. That's worth cheering. But even with peak inflation painting a better picture, this is still a tough market. So it's no surprise that today's run weakened. But ultimately, it did not give up the ghost. Yesterday, we were led by growth, especially tech stocks, which have been very weak of late, the old fang. You remember Facebook, now Meta platforms, Amazon, Alphabet, Netflix, and Alphabet. Apple, Netflix. They all roared. And their compadres fell suit yesterday. But, you know, nothing followed suit today in that group. Today, what led the market was value. We had a solid mini rotation that moved up a host of economically sensitive stocks that have been laggards because of fears of a Fed-mandated recession. Makes sense. For months, companies that make things suffer from cost inflation, then they pass the price increases through to you, but often not fast enough to save them from bad quarters. Now the cost of goods for producers was tame last month, but they haven't yet cut the prices they charge the consumer. That means these companies can see what's known as margin expansion. And that's terrific news for profits. Now, I don't want to get too excited about today's action because it did fade uh, because there was also a big difference from yesterday's run. 
We saw interest rates plummet yesterday, which is always good. That's a relief. We don't want bonds competing with stocks by having higher, safer yields. Today, rates soared, in part because we started to get that knee-jerk rally in oil that resident technician Carly Garner predicted for us in last night's show. That, that caused tech to go down. Remember, in this market, oil and tech don't mix, hence the decline in NASDAQ. Instead, value carried us until the late afternoon pullback. What passes for value in this market? I say we go down the list because I think these stocks that I want to talk about, I think they've got real staying power. First, the banks. Now, these, the banks, they've been miserable investments. Why? Because while the banks instantly benefit from rate hikes, they're big losers if the Fed causes a severe recession. And that seemed very likely as long as inflation didn't cool. Because the Fed would have had to keep hitting the brakes in order to be able to get the economy to stop growing and cool down. Next thing you know, the government all over, all over the banks. And they end up not being allowed to buy back stock or offer bounces to dividends. They get chopped. But if inflation cools, then a severe recession is a lot less likely. And the banks are a lot more attractive. They get all the upside of the rate hikes, allowing them to earn 3% on your deposits, while paying you next to nothing, as you know, without the downside of a spike in bad loans. So which, which banks do you buy? All right, I like to be very specific on the show, so you understand I'm not just doing that sector stuff. You ever see people going to say, I can't speak about stocks. Well, it's a stock show, darn it. Anyway, here's what's going on. First thing, we're picking up shares in Wells Fargo for the Travel Trust because it's a regular bank with a very little of that trading exposure, that kind of whamma-jamma stuff that I don't like at all, I think they can raise the dividend. By the way, stock was at 62 in the first week of February of uh, 2018, so you got a little room here. Or you can buy Morgan Stanley, an investment bank and asset gatherer that has some risk, but I think you can pick it up. If, if transactions unfreeze, like the way David Faber, my partner in Squawk on the Street, said, well, that's going to be great for Morgan Stanley. I put two and two together, listened to him, and I thought about that, and I give it to you. Uh, there's a, it, it's also another benefit of these bullish inflation numbers. They inflate the value of assets that would be troubled if the Fed kept raising rates at such a rapid pace, and Morgan Stanley gets a little piece of that. So it's a natural to like here. What else? All right. I am a fan of the higher-yielding oils like Pioneer, Natural, or Devon. Hey, we had Devon CEO Rick Moncrief on Squawk in the Street this morning. He told a pretty compelling Don story about a stock with a 10% yield that has a balance of growth and safety. It rallied 7.3% after the interview. We brought this company to the attention of club members of the investing club because I had Rick Wong because I've known him for a very long time. He's a great manager. Now, I was very disappointed in the performance of tech stocks today as well as the recent IPO names. These have been on a tear, and after getting killed earlier this year, they all seem to have put in hard-fought bottoms. That said, I think the market will let you uh, into the best ones, and and you're going to get better prices again. So here's my list of what you should buy if tech goes down again tomorrow. First, one that has really kind of step-by-step, inch-by-inch come back, and that's Amazon. Now, I've been telling you over and over that Amazon wins if we have a slowdown because you want to buy stuff as cheaply as possible. Nothing's cheaper than Amazon. But this is no longer just a retail store. There's also Amazon Web Services, the cloud business, and a big advertising business. By, oh, by the way, the consumer packaged goods companies are throwing their money. They keep talking about two sites, two sites that they're putting a lot of money to. And the sites are Amazon Advertising and Google. They're the winners. Now, I was so concerned that this stock might not come in before it goes back up. I think you're going to get a chance to buy Amazon tomorrow. I think it's going to be a terrific opportunity. 
Then there's AMD. Here's a stock that's been dragged down by competitors who said the business has gotten harder to come by in the data center. But these competitors won't tell you. They won't tell you the reason they're having trouble. It's not because business is weaker or the Internet's slowing. It's because AMD is killing them. AMD has the right chips. Competitors don't. Only in the crazy world of tech would companies blame the environment for slowness and not their competitors for eating their lunch. All right, now I got another one that's obvious. It's called Microsoft. Here's a company that beat the numbers, gave you a firm forecast, and its stock has finally taken a nice breather. Oh, and now I'm going to give you the best for last. This one's kind of a bit of a shocker. Disney. Yes, Disney's non-tech. All right, but if Disney comes in, I think it makes too much sense not to buy it. As I'll discuss later, Wall Street's now treating Disney like a real company with a great theme park business and not just another second-rate streaming video service. In the end, even though we couldn't sustain today's rally, what matters to me is that we were not crushed. We've gotten so used to a big rally then followed by just a nasty, horrible sell-off. And that didn't happen today. I'm not saying that this is the safest market I've ever seen. Not at all. I am saying that bear markets don't usually offer you this kind of resbit. They go up, you buy in, and then you get your head beaten in. That's not what happened here. If you bought yesterday, you don't feel like an idiot. Thank heavens. This is a different pattern, a moderately reassuring one that will only get better if we keep seeing cooler inflation numbers as we saw today, and I think we will. Here's the bottom line. Inflation is not yet tame, but it's tamer. And tamer inflation can break the old pattern of the market tumbling the day after any rally, making you feel like a sap for getting your hopes up. That didn't happen this time, and you can feel that confidence oozing back into this market. And all I can say is, it's about time. Greg in Michigan. Greg! Hey, Jim, a big booyah from Michigan. Love Michigan. One of my faves. What's up? Hey, I wanted to say thank you for giving us context for these crazy markets and being a voice of reason and common sense. Thank you. Man, you just made my day because this, the <laughs> show, the club, they are about the context because I've been around and I've seen the context. Let's make some money together. What do we got? Uh, my question's about Kellogg, ticker K. I hold a lot of shares. Should I keep holding them until I get shares in the three new companies or should I sell them before the breakup? Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. What they're doing at Kellogg is an honor. They have figured out how to make even more money. I think you hold all parts. I think it's terrific. You got a great investment. And by the way, you have one of the few stocks that hit a 52-week high today. Congratulations. And Michigan does rock. A lot of that's University of Michigan because my friend Schefter went there. And he's terrific. All right, let's go to Carmen in Connecticut. Carmen. Hey, Jim. Thank you so much for taking my call. My, my question pleasure. is on the... Thank you. My question is on Visa. I've held it for years, but I'd like your opinion on Affirm and Afterpay and if I should switch to either of them or stay with Visa. And by the way, congratulations on your new location. That looks great. You're very kind. Connecticut loves this site. Look at this, will you? This isn't lit or I'd show you. That's what they always tell me. Jim, don't walk over there. It's not lit. Like, I care about that. I'm showing it to you anyway. So someone says, oh, it's not lit. I don't care. Anyway, I happen to think that Visa's terrific. I think Al Kelly's doing an amazing job. Letter V's doing fine. I'll throw in Ma. That's MasterCard. You are in great hands. Do not do that buy now, pay later, because that's buy now, never pay. And we're not affiliated with that, other than one time when I lived in my car, and I was very much involved with that. So anyway, we're going to stick with what you've got, which is Visa. How about we go to Bo in the, in the Grapefruit and Sunshine State? Bo! 
Booyah, Jimmy. Thank you for taking my phone call. Uh, I'm calling to talk about Penn National Gaming. You know, with football season right around the corner, uh, it's low P.E. ratio, uh, low cost of customer acquisitions. I would think this would be a great stock heading into football season. What do you think? I like it, but I'm going to do you one better. There's a guy who has suffered in the wilderness, the grapes of whatever, and his name is Jason Robbins, and he's in DraftKings. And we are going with... Kings, who has left this house, house of pain. and has a whole new address. House of pleasure. Let's go to Dan in California, please. Dan. Dr. Kramer, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure, and thank you for calling me by my official name, doctor. What am I a doctor of, though? You're, you're anyway. a master, sir. Hey, wanted to get wanted to get your thoughts a on master's Dell Tech- a doctor. Okay, go ahead. I'm trying to get your thoughts on Dell Technologies, if you think that would uh, be a good long-term investment for shareholders. What, you're going to bet against Michael Dell? I don't know a single person who's ever made any money betting against Michael Dell. That's not going to happen on this show. No way, no hell. I say bye, Dell. All right? Now, inflation is getting tamer, and tamer inflation is what can break the old pattern of the market tumbling the day after a good day. Hey, what do we have on Mad tonight? Well, after announcing a deal to sell three of its business units to a private equity firm for nearly $2.5 billion, uh, a deal I approved of, I'm digging into this, the details with the CEO of Kirk and Elmer. Then Realty Income, letter O, just declared its 625th consecutive monthly dividend. So could the monthly dividend company be the best way to play the marine space? And don't miss my exclusive whip. Darling Ingredients! That's the largest publicly traded company. Turns edible byproducts into sustainable feed and food. I'm learning more about how the company's working to better the planet. And by the way, remember all that animal fat that they used to make those delicious fries in with McDonald's? He buys that stuff. I would say bring it back, but you know, I'm trying to stay spelled. Anyway, so stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Looking for a rewarding, life changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise, dedicated to shaping brighter futures for our students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and our proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. Earlier this week, I highlighted a handful of COVID winners 
that have continued to thrive even as the world's mostly going back to normal, thank heavens. And that includes one of my old favorites, Perkin Elmer, the maker of life science and diagnostic equipment that's made a mint off of COVID testing, but there's much more to it than that. And business remains excellent. On Monday of last week, Perkin Elmer reported a terrific top and bottom line beat, and they also raised their full-year forecast on top of giving very encouraging guidance for the current quarter. And in response, the stock justifiably jumped 5%. It wasn't just the quarter, though. Perkin Elmer also announced a major decision. The company's selling its supplied food and enterprise uh, services businesses to a private equity firm for nearly $2.5 billion in order to become a pure play on life science and diagnostics. I have wanted this to happen forever. Now, uh, th- this is the weakest division, so after the deal, Perkin Elmer will be a better business with a couple extra billion dollars in its pocket. In other words, it sells to slower growth and goes all into high growth. Let's take a closer look with Dr. Prahlad Singh. He's the president CEO of Perkin Elmer. To learn more, Dr. Singh, welcome back to Mad Money. Glad to be back, Jim. All right, I've got to tell you, sir, uh, I love this divestiture. It is a big one. Approximately 30% of your total revenues are going. So tell us what the new Perkin Elmer will look like. That's a great question, Jim. I mean, you know, this just especially if you look at in this ma- uh, environment of uh, macro uncertainty, you know, the new Perkin Elmer really is focused around high growth, higher profitability, and better, much better operating margin. You know, the this is essentially an evolution of our strategy around the portfolio transformation of the company. You know, and COVID provided us the tailwinds to build a robust balance sheet, which, as you know, last time I was in your show. I talked about how we deployed it towards, you know, further enhancing our presence in the life sciences and the diagnostic markets. For us, those two end markets provide a lot of growth, and we see continued growth in them over the next decade. So this is essentially an evolution of our strategy to build a high-growth business. All right. Now, those of us who are familiar with Perkin Elmer might be sad to see the name Perkin Elmer go. What is your new company going to be called? Well, I'm, I'm open for any suggestions that you might have, but we've just started our branding strategy. You know, and in, on a serious note, our intent really was that the Perkin Elmer brand name, you know, is very much attached to the legacy business of uh, uh, an analytical food and enterprise. And that was one of the intents, uh, intentions of us, having it go with the uh, uh, entity that has been divested. But really, this gives us an opportunity to create a new brand identity around the higher growth, higher profile life sciences and diagnostics business that we are building. So we will come out with a brand uh, strategy around that over the next uh, few months. It does look like that you will be something that I know I wanted in one of my earlier books. The equivalent of maybe Danaher, uh, Thermo Fisher. Those are two companies that were able to go through COVID uh, and come out ahead. And Perkin Elmer is the third. Um, there really aren't that many other companies that do what you do, are they? Not really. Actually, Jim, what this does is the creation of the new company that we are. It puts us in a financial profile where we'll really know have no peers in the life sciences sector. We'll be a $3 billion plus revenue company with 10% organic growth and spitting out 30% operating margin, which puts us in a financial profile of our own. And really, that is something that we have intended to do and the portfolio transformation now allows us to do that. You know, over the past seven, eight years, we've really transformed our portfolio around life sciences and diagnostics. 
you know, we've deployed $7 billion in capital over the past 24 months doing 10-plus acquisition, with the big one being a $5 billion-plus acquisition of BioLegend, which makes us a global leader in antibody development. So this is, again, you know, culmination of the transformation that has happened. And honestly, you know, with the, you know, full humbleness, I would say it actually puts us in a financial profile of our own. I think that's fair. One last question. Uh, I want people to understand that if the economy slows down or the world slows down, there isn't anything about your clients that has anything to do with the economy, does it? Not really, you know, especially as you look at it, you know, the cyclical resilience that the portfolio provides. Essentially, we've become a higher run rate throughput business where reagents and testing, those are two essential elements that are devoid mostly around economic uh, in vagaries in the marketplace. You know, for example, our reproductive health business is focused around newborn testing for inborn errors of metabolism or genetic disorders. And we test every baby born in the U.S. as an example. And that is, you know, pretty much resilient to economic vagaries. Similarly, around our life sciences business, you know, our focus is around preclinical research and discovery. We've had a leadership position around small molecules. You know, with our recent acquisitions, you know, we are building a portfolio for preclinical research and discovery around biologics, you know, cell and gene therapy, single cell genomics. So essentially, we are using the same channel to build out positions in those markets. Well, look, those are the markets I want to be levered to. I think you've done a remarkable job since you were on. You told me not to worry. I was worried about the end of COVID, what it would do to you. You solved that problem. I want to thank Pralad Singh, the CEO of Perkin Elmer, a man of his word who did everything you could ever ask for and more. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, death taxes and dividends set your watch to this monthly dividend deliverer and catch them with kramer next bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. In a world where we're worried about a Fed-mandated slowdown, it's good to have some dividend protection, isn't it? And it does get much better than a stock that gives you a dividend every month. That sounds like something that interests you. I want you to take a look at Realty Income. Letter O, Real Estate Investment Trust with over 11,400 commercial properties across the United States. They've got some European stuff exposure, too. They pay their dividend monthly, and the stock currently sports, get this, a 4% yield. More important. 
Last week, uh, Realty Income reported a very good quarter and raised its full-year forecast. Strong outlook for same-store uh, rent growth. That's just like same-store sales. That's how I have to look at it when we talk about it with restaurants and projected occupancy rates, too. Stock pulled back uh, hard this spring when retailers started faltering. It's made a comeback in recent months. It's not nearly as connected to retailers as you think. Uh, it's connected to solvency. So th- this is a point where it's only a couple bucks away from its pre-COVID all-time highs. They got high-quality tenants, so I'm not worried at all about a business getting hit in a slowdown. So let's dig deeper with Sumit Roy. He's the president and CEO of Really Income. To learn more about the quarter, Mr. Roy, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. It's a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Sumit. Now, I am not allowed to own individual stocks, but given my age, and if I were allowed to, what I would want is a check in the mail uh, in monthly, not quarterly. It doesn't interest me quarterly. I like money every month. How did you decide to do that? And what does it mean to the average uh, a seeker of income that you talk to? Yeah, I wish I could take credit for that. Um, you know, we have to go back to 1969 when this company was founded uh, by Bill and Joan Clark, uh, when they made their first investment in a Taco Bell that they actually bought from Glenn Bell, the founder of Taco Bell. And, um, and their whole ethos was around making sure that their shareholders were paid a monthly dividend um, based on the investments that they had made. And that particular uh, mindset still dictates how we run our business today. And of course, we we recall the monthly dividend company, uh, something that we uh, trademarked uh, a while back. Well, you deserve it. Uh, as I understand it, you've had your 625th consecutive common stock monthly dividend declared by Realty Income. So I think you earned that title. That's a huge number. And it's been pretty consistent no matter what happens in our economy. That is very true, Jim. And, and you know, part of how we've sort of created the portfolio and created our business model is to be viewed as a very dependable business. If you think about our business and you compare um, our, 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 you know, um, shareholder return and look at the downside volatility of this business since our listing in 1994, we rank sixth amongst all of the S&P 500 companies uh, that have the same uh, trading history. And that's a testament to how we've constructed the portfolio, which has very much of a defensive element to it. Uh, It's exposed to clients, like you said in your opening remarks, um, that are very strong clients that have the ability to to, uh, absorb the volatility that, that we are obviously all facing today. And that translates to a business model like ours uh, which basically has long-term leases with these clients uh, that re- that results in very low volatility, predictable earning stream that we can grow over time. All right, now, I want people to understand that even in, in times when we think that, that retail has had a downturn, uh, 2020, let's just talk about it with COVID, or uh, 2007 to 2009, people might have thought that they should bet against realty income. That would have been a pretty bad bet, wouldn't it? I think so. You know, when you look at 2020 in the midst of the pandemic, where people were still quite unsure of, you know, how long was it going to last, what the downside impact was, we were able to very quickly sort of put bookend the risk inherent in our portfolio and started to play offense during the the, the middle of the year, uh, starting in the third quarter. And even in that year, we posted it uh, north of 2% earnings growth, uh, while a lot of companies were still trying to figure out, you know, 
how long was things were things going to be bad and, and what the total impact was going to be. So uh, it really is a testament, again, to the business model that we've created and the amazing team that we have uh, executing on the business model. I absolutely love the fact that it's not dependent upon any single credit, even if it's like a company like Walmart. I don't care. It's not dependent. And what I thought was interesting was uh, my friend Adam Aaron uh, is the CEO of AMC. And a lot of people bet against AMC. And that, again, proved to be bad because you, I think you've done a huge amount of research. And you don't just idly accept the CEO's uh, IOU, do you? We, we, we don't. And again, it's, uh, it's, it's a reflection of the research department that we have. Uh, it's, it's north of 20 people in that department who basically do an amazing job of just not underwriting the real estate side of things, but the credit side of things. And then taking a bet on, you know, what's going to happen if the variables that exist today change over time. And being able to have a business model that can sort of you know, forecast out given the long-term leases that we, we enter into and continue to monitor the ever-evolving situation that a lot of our clients find themselves in is what allows us to stay ahead of the game. Well, I just last, I love this line on your real income seeking continued long-term profitable growth. The last line is from where we are looking to go to continue treating the dividend as sacrosanct to our mission. It really is what your company is all about, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, you know, when we listed in 1994, we had all of our shareholders were essentially individual retail owners. Even today, we are a $60 billion company. More than 20% of our shareholders are individual retail shareholders, and some of whom have, have held our stock since our listing in 1994. That is the ethos that governs all of our decision-making process. It's what allows us to continue to be a conservatively uh, uh, run company that, uh, that is growing at levels that most people thought that we wouldn't be able to grow. And so, right. again, uh, it, is, it is absolutely our mission statement, and it is what helps us uh, execute on our business. Well, I reiterate once again, I wish I could own stock so I could get that monthly dividend that would match all the monthly expenses that I have. Sumit Roy, President and CEO of Realty Income, letter O. This is a good one, guys. Thank you so much, Sumit. Good to see you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Wow. Don't you love that? Income that is sacrosanct. Bad money's back there. Coming up, does this stock have the ingredients to be a portfolio darling? Kramer's got the components for a profitable interview. Next. Now that the economy is slowing, it's a good time to start focusing on secular growth themes, the kind of long-term stories that can keep working even when business is not so hot. For example, sustainability is here to stay, which brings me to just a fascinating company, Darling Ingredients. It's a company that it turns food waste and edible byproducts into animal feed and food ingredients. They also got a terrific partnership with Valero to produce renewable diesel. I'm fascinated by that. It's not the whole business, obviously, but we're going to get to it. In the old days, being good for the environment was rarely compatible with making lots of money. But that's no longer the case. Darling's had massive earnings growth in recent years. While they reported a mixed quarter a couple days ago, they also reaffirmed their full-year forecast and the stock rally response, of course. Plus, even after a particularly spectacular run over the last few years, this one doesn't get me. It's selling only 15 times earnings. 
But don't take it from me. Let's check in with Randy Stewie, the chairman and CEO of Darling Ingredients, to get a better sense of his business and what it means for sustainability. Mr. Stewie, born in 2008, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. So when, I, when we have younger people watching right now and they're saying, are there any companies that are not doing sustainability as kind of like a, you know, a green thing to get people excited? I think your company is almost, it's dedicated to profitable sustainability, true? Absolutely. 2008, when I remember when I first met you, you made me speechless that day. And out of my mouth came, we were green before green was cool. Little did I know, 14 years later, I'd get to set with you again and tell you what we've done with that. Well, it, there, there are animal waste and fats that are out there that are for other people, they should just go to landfill. For you, they make fortunes for shareholders. Absolutely. One out of six or seven animals, the non-edible portion that goes to consumer meats, goes through one of my factories, 270 factories, 20 countries, five continents, 14,000 employees, and we repurpose it. That's the cool word, repurpose. Some like recycle. I call repurpose into these really great specialty ingredients. And oh, by the way, the animal fats, which we used to fry French fries in, and I understand that, now go to one of the greatest decarbonization units or solutions in the world, Diamond Green Diesel, with my partner, Joe Gorder at Valero. All right, so I, let me understand this. So McDonald's always cooked the fries in animal fats, and it's not good for you, so they switched. So that did not end up in a landfill. It ended up at your place. Yeah, and it still does today now. That it's just a different incredible. form. It's, a, it's all kinds of mix of oils. We pick up, you know, I don't know, 200,000 restaurants in North America today. We pick up about one out of every two pounds of used cooking oil and put it into our system. We ship it down to St. Charles, Louisiana today, and we put it back as renewable diesel to make the planet a better place. That's incredible. Now, do you have any substantive competition at all? Oh, you can't ask that. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is we built a formidable you've platform. Built, built. We really have. You deserve it you've, because what you've done uh, is just incredible. And I need to ask you about what you think about the inflation. I don't want to call it that. It's called because I think it may not be as anti-inflationary. But how about what it means for a company like you, the IRA? It, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act contains some really incredible things for our shareholders. It contains an extension of the blender's tax credit for renewable fuels. And then most importantly, provided Congress approves it tomorrow, it, include, it transitions from a blender's to a producer's, made in America. And I'm all about made in America. And so that's really cool. Then it transitions. And I saw out on the floor, we had Delta Airlines. We want to sell them sustainable aviation fuel. We think that's an incredible part of decarbonizing the planet. And so we're really excited about it. Can you do that? Because I met with the uh, fantastic person who's in charge of decarbonization. They are the furthest along, I believe, in all the airlines. They absolutely are. And, you know, we can make the product today, but there's such demand for heavy transportation road diesel that aviation fuel just isn't there yet. All right, it's going to get it's there coming. because of you. It's now, um, it seems like you must be competing with corn as a feed as as a feedstock. If corn goes up or down, does it matter for your price? Not anymore. That's the business model we built. That's what yeah. makes us so special. From when I first saw you, we were hundred percent tied to corn. Right. Yeah, that's we, what you were. That's right. why I was worried that, about that's your That's all I could be when I grew up was right. a big piece of corn. Right. You know, I don't know. And now it's working. It's, it's working. Secular growth. All right. So um, I wanted to ask you about the acquisitions that you've been doing, FASA Group and Valley Proteins. These have really turbocharged you 
and made you into a much bigger company rather rapidly, which has then caused that giant hockey stick of revenues and earnings that you'll be getting. Yeah, I mean, two very different deals. First, the U.S. acquisition of Valley Proteins, the last largest independent rendering company in the U.S., also probably number two in used cooking oil. Feedstocks for Diamond Green Diesel, core fairway of businesses we run, very accretive day one. Going south, let's talk about going south to South America. Who's going to feed China? They don't have enough water. They don't have enough land. They don't have enough grains and oil seeds to feed their people. We believe long term that Brazil will be a giant pile of meat to feed the Chinese growing population. Well, okay. so one last one I got to ask. My wife sometimes says, you know what? Sometimes when you get older, you need collagen. Now, I see you can do a lot of things with collagen. You do have a line in one of your documents that says that it can be used for skin and face. Tell me about that. No, it is one of the coolest things. We grew up, so what gelatin and collagen, everything's collagen, your body's a big portion collagen, right? You extract it from bones, skins, hides, takes a lot, about 80% of its feed ingredients, that's why it fits it. The rest of it goes into an emulsifier, meaning thickening agents, that's your yogurt, your gummy bears, if you will. Okay. Um, Gel caps. That's all you? That's us, and then, oh, by the way, if you do a different process and separate the peptides, you make a water-soluble product called the collagen peptide now. That's being used in lots of different retail products out there. Not allowed to name them. I wish I could. Okay. But we've built four new factories, and we're trying to build more around the world. We are incredibly bullish on collagen for hair, skin, nails. I'm not sure it's working for you or I, No, no. Well, I haven't checked in yet. The animal fats were working for me. That's what's really (laughs) working for me. Well, i got to tell you, Randy, you really were green and are green before everybody. It is your business. Younger people who tell me all the time, give me something that is real that's green. I give you Randy Stewie, Chairman CEO of Darling Ingredients, which we had on 14 years ago. Thank you so much. Great to see you. you. Man Money's back after the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. It is time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, daddy, time the lightning round. Because we're start with. Dave in New York. Dave! Booyah, Jim. Dave called from my hospital Thank you. No problem. Dave called from my hospital room at the Stony Brook Cancer Center as a patient survivor with my nurses. <laughs> what do you wow. think about Biotop Stock Amherst, ticker AMRS? Well, first, that is a fabulous hospital health? and a great school. I just want to point that out. Uh, I, I think that stock is uh, the one that you mentioned I don't like. Why? Because there's another company called IFF, International Flavors and Fragrances, that does a better job. And I know it's been around longer, and it's a safer investment. Let's leave it like that. And thank you for calling. Let's go to George in Illinois. George! Jim, what's up? I don't know. You tell Here me. We- yeah. Tell me. Oh, wait, so I was going to get little, lit. Uh, Are they lit over here? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. What? I got a little beef with Charles Schwab and TD Ameritrade. Oh, man. Bye, bye, bye. Schwab is terrific. Bye, and bye, by the bye. way, it turns out that Schwab was a better investment if Goldman Sachs had bought him, as I suggested, in 1999, but it was completely ignored, if not ridiculed. And that's okay, because I, I, I've gotten over it. <laughs> um, let's go to, uh, I don't know, Karen in Maryland. Karen? 
Karen? Karen? Hello? He's Karen. Yes. You kid. Karen. Go ahead. Hello? Karen. Hi, you're on, Karen. It's Jim. Hi. Karen? Um, I was wondering about CCXI, whether it is a hold or a sell. You know, there's something going on with that company, and quite candidly, Karen, I have to do work on it because I do not understand what 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 it's doing there. Let me come back on that one. And thank you so much for the call. Let's go to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark. Dr. Kramer, thank you for taking yes. my call. I got thank a you. stock for you in the energy sector. Its ticker symbol is FTI. Name of the company's TechNip. FMC, I'd appreciate your thoughts. I like that company very, very much. Oil field service, it's terrific. It's a great business. The stock is breaking out right here. Maybe wait for a couple-day pullback. But I think it's a great stock, though. Christine in New York. Christine! Hey, Jim. I'm a big fan and investment club member. How are you? Yes, I am well. How about you? Good, good. Thank you for all you do, especially for helping me make money. My question is... Well, that's my plan. All okay. right, good. My question is, I'm looking to diversify my portfolio and have no financials. Is B of A a buy right now at 35? Oh, Brian Moynihan at B of A is doing such a great job. As rates go up, of course, he gets to put, invest money in safety and safe treasuries at higher rates. He does pay you a little bit more in your deposit. That's what we want because he is the lar- his bank is the largest depositor of money in the entire country. And that's exactly what you need. I like the stock very much. You know what? We're not done. We're going to take more calls. We're going to go to Richard in Nevada. Richard! Hey, is this the Ayatollah Portfolio? Well, I... I, I no Shinoa from you, partner. What's up? <laughs> will, will this company benefit from weakening input costs and hold up in a recession? It makes things, it makes a profit, and it gives some back to shareholders. What does the chill have to say about AMBP, R-Dog Metal Packaging? Man, you have really scraped the bottom of the can there. That's what it's about. I actually prefer Ball Corp. These two stocks are, I mean, I've been to Ball Corp, so I don't know about this one as well. I think Ball Corp's terrific, though. It's come down so much, it's really attractive. That's because of raw core. They're worried about aluminum cans. I need to go to Matthew in Texas. Matthew. Hey, Mr. Jim Kramer, Big Texas yeah. Size Booyah team. Wow, okay, I like that. So How can talk- I help? All right, so this stock has been beat down. Um, canopy growth, is there any life left in this stock? Oh, okay, if canopy growth is good, then that means that you're going to have one more reason to buy uh, Constellation Brands, STZ, which my Chapel Trust owns. I would buy it right here, right now, tomorrow morning. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the That was easy. Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, is it safe to go mousing around in this singularly iconic stock? Kramer wonders if Disney might be looking a bit dizzy. Next. Narratives matter. Narratives. Last night, Disney reported, and the narrative changed. Changed dramatically, and it worked. Big time. What happened? Well, first, the numbers were much better. More important, though, in in many ways, Bob Chapin, 
the relatively new CEO stopped playing defense. He had been defending decisions that hadn't been his. He was constantly on his heels about how many new subs that he just got for Disney Plus, their streaming service. In fact, the whole referendum about whether to buy or sell this stock came down to how many people signed up for their streaming service. And that made it for a disastrous stock. It's an awful narrative because with endless discussions of subscriber growth and not all that great things Disney has going for it, well, the story became another Netflix. And when Netflix did badly, well, guess what happened? Disney stock did badly, too. My travel trust owns Disney, and I thought it was a travesty that the stock became nothing more than a second-rate Netflix. Think about this. Disney may be the single most iconic brand in America, and then it became just segment added to another streaming company, one without a theme park, without well-established characters, with instant global name recognition. I don't know about you, but I've never been to a Netflix theme park, but I do hear that Mr. Squid's wild game is brutal. Today, though, we got the Disney that we put money into, the one that's a winner, the one that the stock didn't go much higher. That's because CEO Bob Chapek created the narrative himself. This is his narrative, and he stuck to it. Theme parks are making a fortune. And because of that, many things go right with the rest of the company. We are confident that the streaming systems are going to work, so confident that we raise the price. But more important, the theme parks are the essence of the company. Yeah, he brought it back to them. And that means the stock can go higher because the parks are booming. They are sold out. You cannot get into them. They have seen no sign whatsoever of any slowdown. And that's what we needed to hear as shareholders. Because if the company can get away from making this entirely about streaming, uh, it, it will flop. Because you see, there's always going to be a quarter or two where streaming does poorly. That's the nature of that beast. But now let's go one step forward. Let's talk about these parks. First, these Disney parks are not just amusement parks, like the parks of Six Flags. By the way, with the stock that cratered today, falling about 18 percent, it's <laughs> the same amount that its attendance fell. They are one of a kind. Second, Disney constantly refreshes and refurbishes the experience, so it's always worth going back to. Which brings us to the third and perhaps, I think, the most valuable narrative that Chapek hasn't even yet addressed but will. And that is the lifetime value of a visitor to the parks. See, it's only been since last night that analysts have come to understand that Disney is not a poor cousin of Netflix. Now it is time for them to go to the next level. We all know that there are places we want to visit. Eiffel Tower, Pyramids, Buckingham Palace. But the thing about all those places is that they are one and done. They're just boxes to be checked. Great boxes, though. But you don't go back for a second show. i got to see the Eiffel Tower again. I wonder what's changed. Two in one segment. Not so. Not so Disney. With Disney, you go back, and then you go back, and you go back again. Disney has real customers with real tastes. You can actually build a profile of each guest and figure out how much that guest is going to spend at the park and how much that guest is worth to you. Then you figure out the present value of that guest, and then you have a paid stream that is much better than any of these plus streaming things and their counts and shows how much more money the company is worth than any streaming opponent. Who knows? If Disney fixes its balance sheet, it was destroyed by a colossal overpay to get Fox assets, something that was done not by JPEG, but by his predecessor, Bob Iger. Then it can offer a dividend and build more parks instead of having a wrecked balance sheet with no dividend. It would be a virtuous circle. I usually don't tell members of the investing club that it should pay up for any stock. But with Disney, after the stock, even though it had a great run today, it's different. We just learned the key piece of information, the staying power of a brand that can raise price at will and still be loved by a fiercely loyal fan base. Disney, 
You can only hope the stock comes down. Yes, it is that good a buy. All I like to say, there's always a bull market somewhere. Promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.